Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Baked. And my guest today is 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt and returning guest, Curtis Hembroff. Curtis Hembroff opened up the 10th Planet Academy inside of the Onnit Academy in Austin, Texas, specifically chosen by the one and only Eddie Bravo to open up the school in the flagship location in Austin. All right, he then went on to open up 10th Planet San Antonio and has just recently opened up the sort of marquee school of them all, 10th Planet Soldatna, inside of the All-American Training Center in Soldatna, Alaska. Technically, might actually be in Ridgeway, but that's neither here nor there. The exact location of All-American Training Center is easy. Just Google All-American Training Center, Alaska, you'll get the, the exact directions. In fact, you know what? I will put the directions and the exact address in the description, right? So you just go into the description of this episode and you will find All-American Training Center's address. So you can go up and you can show up to the classes at 7 p.m. And now when you show up at 7 p.m. classes, if you got kids, you can bring your kids because the 10th Planet Kids class is going on at the exact same time. Ooh, there you go. There's your spiel for 10th Planet um, Soldatna. Now, this particular episode is about the Pebble Mine Project. Now, off the top of my head, I can tell you that it's been an issue since I moved up here. Now, according to Wikipedia, this is what comes up when you search for Pebble Mine. Pebble Mine is a common name of a very large copper, gold, and Molly B. Mednam mineral deposit in the Bristol Bay region of southwest Alaska, near Lake Iliamna and Lake Clark. As of August 2020, mine developers are seeking federal permits from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, the U.S. Coast Guard, and the Bureau of Safety and Environmental Engineering. State permitting will follow, and developers expect it to take up to three years. There have been additional shenanigans coming out of the Pebble Project, and we get into that on this particular podcast. All right. Very excited that you were able to join us. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Our supporters will be at the end of the podcast, but just a heads up, 10th Planet Soldatna is one of them. All right, thank you very much for checking out the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out Woke and Baked. And today I am joined by a previous guest of the podcast to discuss a topic that we've never discussed on the podcast, but we probably should, seeing as we are based in the great state of Alaska. And that topic uh, is not uh, man moose love, as you would expect it to be. it's actually Pebble Mine, which is a really serious topic in the uh, great state of Alaska. Now, so for those of you that are outside of Alaska and have no idea what we're talking about, Pebble Mine is a very controversial mining project that will be uh, scheduled to, uh, to get cracking off in Bristol Bay uh, in uh, northern Alaska. Um, now, one of the thing, one of the reasons it's so controversial is that it would um, disrupt wildlife in the area. It would disrupt an entire way of life, um, and we're looking at 
very long-standing um, ecological damage uh, from the byproducts of doing all of this mining um, out in Bristol Bay. I am joined by Curtis Hembroff. We're going to talk a little bit about it as well as what is going on right now with um, some of the companies that are involved in Pebble Mine, including the Pebble Limited Partnership, uh, which is the parent company of Northern Dynasty Minerals. They've been in the news a little bit lately with their former CEO, uh, Tom Collier. Now, if you haven't been reading the news, here's your quick update, courtesy of Alaska News Source in my broadcaster voice. Tom Collier has resigned from his position as CEO of Pebble Limited Partnerships. Parent company, Northern Dynasty Minerals Limited announced Wednesday. His resignation came uh, or comes after tapes of Collier and Northern Dynasty Minerals President and CEO Ronald Thiessen. They were posted by the Environmental Investigation Agency, the agency, I'm sorry, the video recordings dubbed the Pebble Tapes, capture the men flaunting their connection to political leaders to men who claim to be investors for a Hong Kong conglomerate. Now, according to Thiessen in a prepared statement, the unethical manna, uh, manner in which these tapes were acquired does not excuse the comments that were made or the crass way they were expressed. On behalf of the company and our employees, I offer my unreserved apology to all those who were hurt or offended, and all Alaskans. Now, Curtis, you are a resident of the great state of Alaska. Do you accept his apology? This whole situation is hysterical. <clears throat> uh, the fact that they're commenting on the, eth the ethics of the investigators, who was obviously who were obviously investigating an unethical person, who was acting unethically. Um, it's, it's all hysterical. And we all know, if you, if from Alaska, you know, Pebble Mine has been an issue for at least, what, 12, 15 years now? I moved up here about five years ago, and I saw that it was a big deal. Yeah, it's been going on for a while, and it's been defeated numerous times, I feel like, by the people. You know, and the people have already spoken on this situation, which is kind of irritating in itself. But it's still like this uh, dragon that keeps coming out of the ground. We have to cut its head off over and over and over, when it's obviously being run by unethical people. Um, trying to do something that we don't really need to be have done. You know, there's there's gold in the ground. What are they going to do with it? Dig a deep hole, risk everyone's health, risk the future of you know, Alaska sport fishing, commercial fishing, um, so they can take the gold and bury it somewhere else. It makes absolutely no sense. Well, I think that for me it, it becomes interesting because the the people that really seem to to want to do the deep dives and, and do the deep digging for the gold, for uh, for the copper, and the things that I can't pronounce maybe aren't, aren't even necessarily from Alaska. But the fact that they are, they're name-dropping people who they didn't clear up their name-dropping with before they started name-dropping is where it gets kind of interesting. Because you know, it's not going to be the first time they've done it. This wouldn't be the first group of investors that uh, folks have, or that these folks would have name-dropped the governor or um, senators For or sure. congressmen. Um, it's just one of those things. Like, how, how many times do you think that this dude uh, went to the governor and said, "Is it okay if I name drop you?" And the governor probably said it was okay. Whoever says that, though, they just name drop and 
it's per, uh, forgiveness or permission. And they'll always ask for forgiveness before permission. So I, I think that the Pebble Mine Project seems like they're just running a course of how long can we keep playing this game before it's not profitable. And it's based on how much gold they think is under the ground right now. So they're still pushing this this idea that yeah we're gonna rip the ground open and pull out of this gold, but they need they need money to come in to keep this this idea going. And I can't imagine how deep they are already. They're probably several hundred million, maybe a billion, maybe even more deep. And they haven't broken ground. And they yet. haven't broken ground. Yeah. So now they're having to you know in, in, find ex, create excitement with new investors on a project that hasn't gone anywhere in 15 years. So of course they're they're hyping it. Of course they're lying. Of course they're doing whatever they can because they're a billion dollars deep. You know what I'm saying? So if they if they pull the plug on it, that's a lot of sunk cost. Um, so they're hoping that maybe after 15, 20 years, the uh, people in Alaska will be just tired of hearing about it and they'll get the approval and they can rip out all the gold. But I don't think people in Alaska are, are going to sit back on this one. Again, we've already spoken on it. Uh, we're opposed to Pebble Mine and not in our backyard. Sorry. Well, it's very similar to uh, locally. There was um, they're coming to the, to our local elections very soon. Is the uh, prospect of mail-in ballots now? If I understand correctly, that was defeated back in 2014, 2012, 2014. Um, there was already a, a campaign to get us in our local Kenai Peninsula borough to use mail-in ballots. Now that was already defeated uh, publicly. Uh, the assembly, our local assembly, uh, led by a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Tyson Cox, was the local sponsor to bring back uh, this uh, this idea of uh, mail-in, local mail-in ballots. Don't so, you think that's a slippery term, mail-in ballots, because we've always had absentee ballots. So we've 100%. always had a mail-in option, um, and then making it sound like there's this other thing called mail-in ballots where it's different than, it's different than, than um, absentee. A mail-in ballot that they're talking about is they're gonna mass mail out ballots. So that you don't actually have to request one, prove your identity to request one, or verify your address. They're just mailing out ballots, which definitely opens the door for um, fraud. That's why mail-in mail ballots and the term that they're using them in isn't a good idea anywhere. You know what I'm saying? It, it, then all ballots could be faked. Any number of organizations could uh, harvest and resend in their own ballots. So I think um, the idea of absentee balloting, um, um, the idea of someone going in advance, getting their ballot and making a, a conscious decision to vote is great. Um, the idea of just mass sending out basically voting coupons in the mail is super high risk and makes absolutely no sense. And it takes all of the responsibility away from the voter. And we want responsible voters. We want people who take their time and put some intention in their vote, not just uh, collect a something, a pre-stamped envelope in the mail when the government tells them to. Yeah. Well, there were millions and perhaps even billions of dollars that were distributed in, in corona payments to people who are no longer with us. Crazy, man. So the, the reality is, like, my grandfather, who's been dead for over 40 years, could vote early and vote often for his favorite Democrat. For sure. Which, you know, is important for the dead to have their say. I agree. <laughs> um, Maybe, like, you get forever, like, forever you vote. If you're a Republican or Democrat, once you die, no matter what, your vote continues to count for that party. No, the price should be Democrat. And it's a weird thing because the same, uh, the same guy locally that was pushing um, this um, mail-in ballots, the, the hybrid voting system, 
uh, is also one of the guys that was very popular behind the annexation of Ridgeway and parts of Kay Beach. Two other things that were really, really unpopular locally. Bro, um, that's just a story of all bureaucracy, all agencies. They just want to grow and consume, and including cities. You know what I'm saying? Every, uh, I don't know any single nonprofit that fights like homelessness that's gone out of business because they cured homelessness. They only got bigger and got more funding to, to service more people. And the cities do the same thing. Cities don't try to get smaller. Cities don't like try to reduce how much they tax people. They just keep growing. Hence the Soldatna Annex situation right now. Um, so that's just par for the course, man. But to l not leave that up to voters is where that like at least at least they're consistent in that. They don't want you to have a say in something that's going to affect your home or your business. They really yeah. just want your tax revenue. And so when you have folks. Those same folks behind a project that's not particularly popular, that's only going to benefit a, a very select group of people. Um, you know, you have people who don't really care, and they're they're apologizing to all Alaskans, but it, very clearly they're not apologizing to all Alaskans because if they were, then they might not be digging for Pebble Mine anyway. They might not be pushing for something anyway. Um, Interesting question. If you don't care, you should would you likely vote probably not right but if they kind of force a mail-in ballot situation people who don't care might start voting right and that in itself kind of messes up the whole idea of voting is having people who don't give a fuck throwing a random vote for something they don't understand so yeah i can see why they would want to push that because it's easier to sway the person who doesn't care and have them sign off on something that was mailed to their house and their and their deceased grandfather yeah, rather than being forced to, to research whatever yeah. it is that they that they should be researching, it's weird. Uh, you have you know Michael Bloomberg paying off millions of dollars in fines for convicted felons so that they can get their uh, right to vote back. That's shady, right? Slippery slippery slope there. I think that could become a lot worse. It could become here's um, here's money to vote the way I want you to vote. It's right along the lines of that, man. It's right. It's one step away from just cutting a check to someone to vote a certain way. Absolutely. Yeah. A absolutely. But how many how many of these folks that are getting the right to vote back would have been voting anyway? Good point. And that's maybe part of the clause. Maybe that's the the, the un unspoken side of this thing. Hey, I paid off your your fine. You need to go vote. Wink, wink. Yeah. Um, but then you got you know you have Democratic leadership pushing for prisoners' rights to vote. You know, I think Bernie Sanders had that in his part of his platform that even incarcerated people should have the right to vote. Um, I don't agree. I don't know. I, you know, it's one of those things that I haven't necessarily put a whole lot of thought into. Yeah. But the idea that you're going to have, that, that someone is going to uh, miraculously pay off your fine. This isn't like a, um, like a late night TV host paying off of, you know, like millions of dollars worth of medical debt. Uh, this is one particular former presidential candidate, former mayor of the city of New York, a fucking billionaire um, paying off your your fines so that you can vote, hopefully, for a Democrat. So imagine you're a victim of one of the felons uh, that he's he paid the fines for. So I'm sure in this thousands of victims, uh, thousands of felons, and thousands of criminals, there's some probably pretty not so nice people, guys who've done some shitty things, and he they, they have victims, those criminals. Right, so think about all the victims who are hearing this. Like all, all these 
all these criminals, he gave money to them, basically. So you think about that, man. It's, it's insane. A hundred percent. That's that. That's fucked up. But one of the things that that I don't know, and, and so I can't really speak to, is do these um, like what? What did these guys commit? Were they were they nonviolent drug offenders? If you were a guy who is if he, selling if cocaine in the nineties, yeah, went through it and picked out marijuana yeah. users and so forth. But I would imagine it's thirty thousand felons or something like that was the number something crazy yeah. yeah yeah either way how much money was that and how much better could that money have been spent on um something something more meaningful other than uh leveraging votes Ooh, yeah. new books for students in <laughs> public <laughs> schools imagine that right <laughs> um yeah it, we live in really interesting times and we're willing to accept um some really really interesting bullshit from some very uninteresting people um, and it's hard to get excited uh, nowadays for really anything that is presented to us as an option, uh, especially when the folks that are presenting these options aren't really like it's in their it benefits them to not uh, provide an option. Um, most of us aren't really going to get a chance to have our say with Pebble Mine. Uh, and part of that is because, you know, these millionaire lobbyists who are paid by billionaire bankers and investors are able to speak to our legislators far, far away from us. Like So in the state of Alaska, you have our capital, Juno, which is not attached to, to the road system. You and I can't just hop in the car and drive up to Juno to, to check on our, our politicians. In order to, you know, to go see your politician, you've, you've got to go see him during the, the time that they're meeting uh, in Juneau. You've got to catch a flight out there. It could cost you a couple hundred bucks just to, just to get out there to say what's up to your legislator. Meanwhile, your, legislature, uh, your legislator is taking uh, meetings with all kinds of lobbyists from all kinds of organizations. Flying from all over the place. Yeah, who yeah, yeah. don't give a fuck about you as an Alaskan. <clears throat> They care about what that, that vote yeah. that that state representative can provide. Alaska is just the resource um, state of the United States, I feel like. Yeah. It's one of those states where it's, um, I, don't want, I don't want to put it in this context in an insulting way, but it's almost like the Africa of the world. You know, like there's all the diamonds, all the gold, all the, all the good stuff is there. And it's how can they manipulate that place to extract the wealth. Yeah. And the, the same kind of thing's happening to Alaska if you look at how much timber we have, how much fish we have, how much gold we have, how much coal we have. Um, the state shouldn't be anywhere near a budget issue. There shouldn't be anything close to that. We shouldn't even have to talk about Pebble Mine because of how, how much wealth we should have. You look at what we have in relative to like Dubai or something like that, um, we have more than them. And we, have a, we don't run a budget like they do because of all the money, all the wealth being extracted from the state going back into the United States or to other, other countries evidently. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting that the um, the investors were from Hong Kong, or the faux investors, the faux investors, the fake, the fake, the yeah, fake yeah. investors, the fakey fakers. Well, I mean, I think that if you were a pebble mine, you know, slime ball trying to squeeze this thing through, and you know, you were looking for big money, you know, and you saw, you know, Hunter Biden got a lot of money from China. You might be thinking, oh, here's an opportunity for me to get a billion dollars and not even know what I'm doing. I get really scared. So this, this this Tom Collier, right? Like he's got some. He's got frames. Like he's got he's got the the glasses frames of, in many different colors and vari uh, variations, and what appears to be a well gelled mullet. <laughs> like so, he looks he looks like the guy who 
a guy who could who could sell you a snow machine before he could he could sell you like hundreds of acres with uh, with gold underneath it. I wonder, you know, how long he's been the acting uh, executive there, the leadership there. Like, is he, a, um, you know, the fifth in a row of people that have failed on getting this project pushed through, or has he been the guy at the helm since the beginning? I can't imagine he's the guy that started this project. He's just the latest person in leadership trying to push this this project through on behalf of the greater um, mining company. What's the greater mining company called? Uh, the greater... It's not... It's not. Um, it's a global... Uh, Northern mining. Dynasty Minerals. Yeah, Northern Dynasty Minerals. Yeah. Are they Canadian-based? They might be. They might be, which is, which is interesting because in the cannabis industry, you can't take money from a, a Canadian investor. Oh, really? Right? Like in the Alaskan cannabis industry... You cannot, on paper, have an investor who is not a resident of the state of Alaska. And if I'm if I'm mistaken, I'm sure someone will drop a, uh, something in the comments. But my understanding hmm. is that if you are going to own a can of business in the great state of Alaska, you have to be Alaskan. You have to be eligible for a PFD. However, in order to pull resources uh, from our state, you don't have to be anywhere fucking See, near it. I feel like we have to have some kind of protection of our resources if we're going to continue to be an ownership state, which we are supposedly. So, you know, we get a PFD because we're, we're all members of this, this organization of Alaska. We all are residents of this, this state of ours. So we should protect it. We shouldn't let people uh, outside come in, pull out our fish, pull out our gold, pull out our trees um, and not be part of, of, of who we are. Uh, so I'm, I'm all for considering ways to um, require that, uh, if you're extracting wealth from the state, you're part of the state. You know what I'm saying? You're a business that's organized within the state and you pay taxes within the state. Um, not not third party or third country or China, basically. Yeah. Just pulling the pulling out all of our natural resources. I think it's a horrible thing to have happen to us. And it's basically just robbing not only us, but um, our future. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's weird that, you know, like this... The dude dropped a lot of names. Like he was, he was heavily not uh, dropping names with investors. And well, he didn't know he's being recorded. Yeah. So you know, well, he my, neither did the ladies that. at Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Neither did the um, the journalist from ABC when she was talking about. Man, isn't that funny what happened at Planned Parenthood? They go in there, they catch Planned Parenthood admitting that they sell babies, <laughs> admitting it, showing documentation that, and who gets arrested? The people who caught them admitting that. And you know who did that, guys? Project Veritas. Project Veritas. But you know who, who prosecuted Project Veritas? Kamala Harris. Really? She didn't, she didn't go after Planned Parenthood for selling babies. She went after the guys who exposed them. And that's Crazy. just like this article. It's, it's, you know, why are you questioning the ethics of someone who is doing investigative journalism at the highest level? Uh, for the benefit of mankind, for that matter. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then if you look at how the state, in this case, handled it. They didn't prosecute the people who were doing something grossly illegal. They prosecuted the journalists who exposed them. Um, and even at this article, you know, the way they frame it, um, why are you questioning the ethics of someone like that? Like they're, they're uh, of course they're playing a, a little bit of a shady game. You don't question the ethics of someone who's uh, uh, catching a child molester. There's TV shows on it. You know what I mean? Same kind of thing. So. Let's, let's go back to this, this article in Alaska News Source. Collier submitted a letter of resignation to the company board of directors. In his place, former Pebble Partnership CEO 
John Shively will serve as interim CEO. He will be in that position while a search for a new CEO is underway. Shively's name was mentioned by Collier in the Pebble tapes. Collier tells the potential investors that Shively has a relationship with Senator Dan Sullivan's state director as he is renting his apartment from the staff member. Sullivan's office addressed the comments made in the Pebble tapes, saying the senator, ha uh, the senator has supported the decision that prevented Pebble Mine from receiving a Pebble, uh, federal permit. Uh, the, uh, on the other piece of misinformation by Mr. Collier, John Shively does not rent an apartment from Renee Reeve. However, he began renting that apartment well before Reeve ever joined the senator's staff, Sullivan spokesperson Amanda Keown said in a statement. Northern Dynasty Minerals described Shively and its release as a well-known and respected Alaska business and political leader who most recently served as chairman of the Pebble Partnership's general partner. I don't know. It, it seems like our elected officials are, are in weird relationships with people that if we knew that they were in weird relationships with would make us very uncomfortable. But we... But that also seems to be why people get into weird relationships with uncomfortable people. Um, you know, it, it's weird. The, the more that the more information that's coming out about the Pebble tapes, the more we're learning about how the the wheels of the bureaucracy are actually greased. And I don't know, man. It's it's a really it's really crazy because at some point this thing's going to come full circle, right? And what the governor knew or what the senator, Senator Dan Sullivan or Senator Murkowski actually knew is going to be, uh, be another he, thing. That's did he make any statements in regards to specifics of what those elected officials said? Or other than, so far the article just says that they're name dropping. Did he say specifically what Murkowski said? Um, they were talking about, um, and, and this is what Dr. Al Gross has said in his, uh, in, in his videos, um, against uh, Dan Sullivan, Al Gross, uh, Dr. Algros running for Dan Sullivan's yeah, job, yeah. Um, said what they want is uh, for Dan Sullivan to remain quiet on the subject and that essentially um, that these leaders like Murkowski uh, are by, by not saying anything, it, they're saying a lot. Totally. Um, um, by, by not out and out saying, you know, uh, this is never ever going to happen, They'll say this is never going to happen, and then extend a permit deadline. So, um, while it may not exactly be what's going on in this particular case, um, he does give examples of how the work gets done and how they kind of slide in on on technicalities. Uh, and so they do; they slide in and they 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 push. Um, the door jam in a little bit more every time the door yeah, moves yeah. so that it, it's held a little bit stronger so they can weasel in. But every time there's a little crack in the door, um, sort of like what you were showing in, in class uh, yesterday, you walk your hand up the mat. You walk it's your hand up the mat. Inch by inch. Inch by inch. Yes. Lift your arm up, inch by inch, inch by inch. You move up and you get into the position that you need to, to get in. And before anyone knows it, the uh, submission is sunk in. They're smothered. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and that's what our leadership, um, or at least the people around them who are supporting them are doing, is they're smothering So citizens. it's weird how you know, we give our leadership here the free pass on that one. No one's really saying, hey, what about this pebble mine thing? Uh, 
why aren't you making it except gross gross is obviously running on that campaign yeah but i think we should hold our, our leadership more accountable if you're going to take a position on it um act on that position don't just say you have that position you know um put your money where your mouth is well interesting thing about gross um my understanding is that gross's father is part of the reason we have a pfd oh that's crazy yeah 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 um so Sullivan isn't from here originally. Gross is from here originally. Gross's story is crazy. Um, commercial fisherman before he had a, a vehicle. Yeah, he was like 14. License. Yeah, it's a <clears throat> classic Alaskan. Uh, seems like an amazing overachiever kind of guy. Like he's just accomplished a ton of things. Uh, in a, you know, you know, being a physician, uh, military experience, I believe. Is really I don't believe so. Oh, none? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, now, Sullivan was Sullivan's a Sullivan's military. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. Um, Pretty awesome. But the, the dude is a doctor who had a commercial fishing uh, company before he had a vehicle. He's killed the bear. He's pro-hunting. Um, you know, and and regardless of what Sullivan is saying, he, he doesn't. He appears to be very much anti the Green New Deal. Sullivan, in, from my perspective, has been very anti-Native Alaskan, too. Um, he's very opposed to Native Alaskan rights, sovereignty, um, he's challenged us pretty much every angle. We've tried to have uh, our own subsistence type thing. You know, there's no subsistence uh, rights really for Native Alaskans. You know, most Alaskans all have the same equal rights as far as subsistence. That's why Kenai gets flooded with people for dip netting season. Uh, because basically everyone in Anchorage is treated like a rural citizen and can go extract resources from everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Um, so. Sullivan, I have, I have issues with on it for a number of reasons, um, and my my focus mostly on his um, uh, policies towards Native Alaskans. Um, this pebble mine position, though, is not uh, becoming of him very well either. I don't like it at all. Um, same with Murkowski. You know, I, I, I have issues with her. Um, you know, in two thousand three or thirteen, I believe, we had the Violence Against Women Act, and she weaselled in the Alaska exemption in that. So she's been kind of like a um, you know, patronizing of the Alaskan natives, but really hasn't had our best interest when it comes time to vote or come time to take action. So similar to what everyone's doing on the Pebble Mine, you know, you know, you might say one thing, but how you actually act and vote is is totally different. Well, a big part of the reason that Murkowski is in the position that she is in is because of the native vote. It's because of a write-in. Uh, yeah, and it's vote. almost like the Democrat thing going on where you, you they're part of the, the Democratic plantation. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, um, it, you know, the Alaska Native vote has been tricked um, by the Democratic Party. I know she's, you know, formerly a Republican. Technically yeah. a Republican, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I think that they kind of fall into that same, that same thing right there where, you know, you're, you're giving up something for gaining something. If you, we are better off um, looking for our own sovereignty than more assistance from the government. That's what I would say. So I think we need to look more at, like, uh, becoming less dependent on the government, not looking for a senator who's going to, uh, or, or a political party who's going to promise us a bunch of things, which really just make us dependent on the government, which is the Democratic Party in a nutshell, um, promising the world and going to give you everything you ask for, which is slavery. Well, yeah, what is it? What is the, the cost going to be on the other side of this? You know, like, um, Murkowski has. It goes, it's very much like Juno. Like, our, our state's representatives might as well be in the other side of the world. 
uh, are, are the representatives from our state are based in Washington, D.C., making decisions that affect us or holding weight in a court that doesn't even necessarily apply to us in, in, in many regards, many times. Um, and we can't, we can't see what they're doing. So, well, we have state elected officials in Juneau that we can't see what they're doing. And so they get a lot of money and they get a lot of support from, from sport fishing um, and, and the cruise lines and all that shit. Yeah, I think Alaska's a hijacked state. It's been hijacked. It's, it's, it's small enough uh, where you can influence it with a lot of money. So I think it's pretty clear that, you know, outside money influences Alaska. Is it even really a lot of money, though? Or, or are, are guys because, getting bought on the cheap? It doesn't take that much because it's, it's not that big of a state. How many people are here? Uh, I think it's like 700,000. 700, right? yeah. So, you know, there's not that many people and it doesn't take that many people to swing the vote. And if you can appeal to the, uh, the Alaska natives on one side with the motion, you can appeal to um, the businessmen over here with this, this position. It's not hard enough to get enough votes to make something happen. You know, so I think... Alaska, with all the resources and all the value that it has, it's a target for um, you know political control because there's so much wealth because you can sell so much to somebody else. Um, we, how much oil do we supply to America? Fuck, I don't know. Think about that. How much are we paying gas? Are we paying way too way more than are we, we should? paying our, our you know we're paying? It seems like we're paying a lot of money for gas when we're producing a lot of the raw material. It's it's. It's so the people of Alaska aren't benefiting as much as I think they should from the wealth and resources that we do have here. It's definitely outside money that's making things happen here and who's really benefiting from it. Not that I'm not appreciative for the companies that create jobs and so forth, but yeah. On the flip side of it, they're, for what they're taking out uh, and what they're putting back, um, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't have a PFD that's cut in half. No way, man. Um, no way, man. You know, it, but it's not just you know, it's not just oil companies. It's just companies like Walgreens, Walmart, Target. You know, um, all the big box stores that come into Kenai, that come into the small towns, that come into Anchorage, and wipe out the small sporting goods stores. The small. So you, you're, you're yeah. bringing the, you're bringing that up. Um, I guess my question is because I'm not from here. I moved yeah. up here in around 2014, 2015. Um, what was life like in Kenai before Walmart moved in? Um, there was a Kmart before Walmart. Okay. So before the Kmart came into Kenai and before the new cars came into Kenai, um, everything was kind of in that small, the old cars mall. Um, and then there was much more mom and pop shops. I mean, there was a, a ski shop, a fishing shop, you know what I'm saying? So there's, there's a, a diversity of small business. And then the sad thing that happened, you know, Kmart comes into town and the guy that used to run the tackle shop now has a Kmart vest on in the fishing section of Kmart. And it's just like a depressing thing to see even as a 10 year old. You know what I'm saying? I recognize the, the loss in that person's life um, and uh, the, the failure of our, of our city officials to protect our people. You know what I'm saying? Because what really happens is now, now that money doesn't stay in the city. It doesn't stay in the community. It goes to the shareholders of those corporations. So a vast majority of it leaves the community. It's not recycling back in the community. And prior to Kmart being there, I'm not saying all the companies in Kenai were local, but when you spent money at Gary King Sporting Goods, Gary King went to the restaurant and ate food and gave a tip to the kid that were, you know what I'm saying? So there was yeah. just a, a constant a cycle of money. So 
I think what you see in Alaska is, um, you know, people come in and extract that money and it doesn't cycle back through. Um, fortunately, Alaska has so much wealth that it just keeps pulling it out of the ground or pulling it out of the water or pulling, um, pulling it out of, out of the trees, etc. So there's plenty of wealth to go around, but eventually it'll run out. Eventually you just can't keep ripping stuff out of the ground. So it'd be great to keep the wealth in Alaska and use it to build our infrastructure um, and increase our, improve our quality of life, lower our gas prices, um, reduce the, uh, our carbon footprint here, bring all the good technology here. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, Curtis is now the president of Alaska, right? It's always been how it worked in my mind. Yeah. So, how, how what were the first steps that you would take um, to to get to that that more clearly defined path of uh, going forward as a state? There's a couple great steps I think that could be taken, um, and obviously it depends a lot on what's going to happen in the next few years in America and how how involved Alaskans want to be with the rest of America. If you look at how the federal government's run America the last 50, 60 years, um, I would say that most people are not approving of, of the direction the government's taken it. Um, <clears throat> so I think, why do we want to give so much authority to a centralized power like the federal government to kind of dictate how we run our state when, when they obviously are corrupt? They obviously are bought. You know, Congress, the Senate, even the presidency, in many cases, I feel like is purchased. Um, so I think we, as a state, we got to really realize we're we're um, part of, of a, a United States that we didn't actually vote to be part of. We didn't get the clean vote. I don't know if you know, understand that part of it. No. You know, we were a state, but it was kind of like we got forced in. We didn't get the idea or the option of becoming a commonwealth or a territory. Um, so I think there's something that could be considered about where we stand with the uh, the federal government, how much we want to give them authority of, uh, over us. And, and, and by saying that, I mean, how much money do we want to take from them so they can tell us what to do? And I don't think we should take much money from them at all. And I don't think they should tell us what to do. I think we should um, operate under our own accord, in particular with our natural resources. And, and specific, I think, with like our fisheries, um, our, our gaming, etc. We've got to be very careful that we don't wipe out all the good things in Alaska because of how the centralized power is managing us. Like you said, we can't access our senators. We can't access our Congress people, especially at the, at the federal level. Um, but they're the ones making decisions on the Kenai River, which is progressively getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So I think taking more ownership of our state uh, is the first step, I think, for Alaska. One, I'm going to take a drink of water and I'll go on. Go ahead, take a drink um, of water. <clears throat> I think that it's it's really important that um, in the state of Alaska we, we have to kind of take a, a accountability of of our math, um, the the money that we have coming in, the money that we have going out. Um, we we have to look at who is owning these companies that are pulling these resources. Yeah. So and how are they contributing? I'm gonna throw this idea out there. We every every company that's going to operate in Alaska needs to be 51% Alaska based. So your board of directors. Your ownership, your stock, everything, 51% Alaska. Otherwise, you're not an Alaskan company. You know what I'm saying? So if, if all your board of directors lives in England or Dubai or Hong Kong, and sorry, you don't get to operate. You can form another company, which you own 49% of, and it, uh, it exists in Alaska, but 51% of, of the company has to be Alaska-based, period. 
Um, so it's not, it's not going to stop, um, you know, a, a BP from operating here, but it's going to force them to, to restructure how they operate here to, to so that some of the money stays within our state. In fact, 51% ideally stays within our state. So that would be one way of, of preventing the, um, the brain drain, wealth drain, whatever the drain, however you want to call the extraction of, of, of wealth and economy from Alaska, so to speak. That. Um, I'd also consider um, looking at our permanent fund as more of a, and this is a very controversial topic, but looking at the permanent fund as more of a living wage. And tying that in with a, you know, I'm not a huge, I'm definitely not, I'm opposed to universal health care on a universal level. However, I think that um, health care can be um, free and well managed on a smaller level. And I think Alaska is one of those positions, is in one of those positions where it has the opportunity to provide health care at the level it's at. Uh, I think that we have the infrastructure, I think we have the excess capacity. Uh, so I think that there's a way to, tie in the permanent fund into a living wage and also offer free health care uh, for our people in Alaska. Not, not necessarily being part of a federal free health care program because that will absolutely take all our money and waste all of our money. But looking at it on a, on a city by city, state, uh, uh, borough by borough basis, I think Alaska has the uh, in infrastructure and the capacity to do so, particularly because of the, um, the Native American or Native Alaskan health agencies um alaska native medical health center the denina wellness center down here um, we just have a great medical infrastructure here and i think that those are th three things i would really look at um universal universal wage and these are all policies that typically i would consider very democratic very liberal but in our state i think there's a way to do it i think that if you're going to talk about universal health care like government mandated health care you you immediately have to start the conversation of government mandated self care and what the fuck does oh, that look well, like? Well, I think the conversation would be also like uh, transparency in prices, what is considered health care, what's considered not health care, what's cosmetic, you know, what I'm saying what's vanity, that kind of thing. So uh, I think that if you're looking at like, oh, I want to have, um, you know, my eyelids done or something like that, that's not health care. Um, so we got to be careful. There's a slippery slope of of cosmetic surgeries, that kind of thing. Um, also like preventable illness. Like preventable if you illness. have lung cancer because you spent 50 years smoking. Bro, I mean, think about that. So part of the reason I think we need to be less dependent on the federal government is because they're putting in systems that are promoted by the World Health Organization, the CDC. And how has the health of people been lately, the last 30, 40 years? We've gotten worse. Progressively fucking worse. So why are we listening to these organizations and why are we letting centralized power create more sick people just so that we can support a pharmaceutical industry or a medical industrial complex whatever you want to call it so alaska needs to uh disconnect from that idea of 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 whatever the hell the cdc cdc saying whatever the who's telling us to do as far as what we should eat how we should live and and get back to what we know works you know healthy living it's it's not hard to figure out that you should eat food grown locally. It's not hard to figure out that you should eat animals that weren't pumped with drugs. You know I mean? It's, it's pretty obvious, you know what I'm saying? So um, I think Alaska has the capacity to um, drastically improve the health of its people by re reorganizing itself economically, you know what I'm saying? And, and putting, putting money back into 
local businesses, uh, local produce, local cows, local reindeer, um, locally distilled gasoline even. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of the, I mean, Alaska is one of those places where you can, you can do that and it doesn't change the landscape very much. Like you couldn't do that. I think it'd be harder to do that in Nevada. Um, it would be harder to do in... Well, Nevada's half fake anyways. I mean, it, Las Vegas is a, is a, you know, we're going to bring water here and create a city. So it doesn't necessarily have the same capacity as something that was already producing. But my wife is blown away by how many cranberries just fall on the ground that nobody picks. We've been berry picking and now she's just like, I got to go pick berries again. There's so many that are just going to fall on the ground and go to waste. And not, I mean, not really. They're going to grow into cranberry bushes. It's beautiful. But that's what I'm saying. Alaska is just abundant. And, um, and that's why so many people want to take advantage of it. And that's why we have to protect it. Meanwhile, not enough of the folks that live here are actually taking advantage of it. I mean, occasionally because, you'll see Because what they told, they told to buy berries at the store. You yeah. Know, you know, when, um, man, there's so much here right in front of your feet. You know what I mean? That you don't have to go to Walmart or Kmart or whatever the latest box store is to kill the economy. You don't have to go there. You can go outside. You can take a walk through South Tushy Trails, get some good, clean, fresh air, pick yeah. some berries, and I mean, you have a snack while you're doing it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, by the way, if you have not walked Salteshi Trails lately, I highly recommend it. Which one's that? Uh, that is the one sort of across the street from um, the Sports Center. Okay. Uh, they've got five or six different paths out there. Um, it's good for, like, barefoot walking. Yeah. Nice. It feels nice and sandy. It's we didn't leave our block, and we collected probably four or five pounds of cranberries in, like, a half day. And I had my uh, nieces and nephews come over. They're a bunch of they're little kids. And man, many hands make light work. Just send the kids out into the into the bush. They came back with tons of cranberries. Um, yeah, I'll go check out that park. I'll take a, a berry picker and go to town. Yeah, get busy with it. And then you get your squats in. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a win-win. Yeah. Walk up the side of Bear. Take a take a mountain bike ride uh, down the <laughs> single track. Yeah, fuck yeah. This is a, we live. We're lucky to live in the uh, blessed. I think is more the word blessed lucky to live in the place that we do but we have to have elected officials who feel the same way and we have elected officials that either a aren't from here or b have relied on on votes their entire adult life to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish in life rather than doing something on their own Uh, we have you know elected officials who spent 35 years working for the oil company do you really think that they're that they feel you know necessarily indebted to uh, to the locals, the or they feel yeah. indebted to, to Soros or uh, to whatever the plant is that paid them for thirty five. I thought you said Soros. I oh, I, they're, I think <laughs> half those fuckers are indebted to Soros as well. Um, but in a really real way, like our elected officials, um, I, most of them I don't think give a fuck about the average Alaskan. It's a more means to an end, uh, and it's. You know, being able to get that fucking beach house in Bora Bora or, you know, you have your Yeah, your it's almost cottage. like it's about getting out of Alaska. It's almost like you're trying to be president instead of the governor. Yeah. Like Sarah Palin. It was like, I, I kind of felt like you weren't even governor and now you're running for, you're running for office. Are you really committed to what you're doing here? That kind of thing. Speaking of that, did you see your latest video? 
I heard she went batshit. <laughs> I heard... Dude, it is, uh, is uh, Blair Witch Project mixed with... Um, I don't know, man. I think she still lives in Wasilla. So she probably went, took her, herself over to the green jar in Wasilla. Probably got a couple bottles of that good hashe. You know, she probably, she's Alaskan. So she probably got blueberry too. She probably got blueberry hashe. Maybe she got strawberry because she was trying to get creative. Um, and, and then she uh, she mixed it with uh, with her Bear Creek wine and she got freaky deaky. Are you talking about Sarah Palin? Sarah Palin. Yeah. She just threatened to run against Murkowski in 2020. You know what? I'll, at, this point, at this point, I'll vote for her over Murkowski. What's the, what are the five worst things that are going to happen? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, good, good, and she should. Um, I'm excited. Uh, that excites me. When our elected officials go full-on like Britney Spears, shave their head, and, and fucking decide that they're going to go after Look, Lisa Murkowski. She's calling out Murkowski for flip-flopping on her position on whether or not she'd vote for an appointed uh, Supreme Justice. Yeah. And she just did it in such a weird way that it, I mean, I think her point got missed a little bit um, just because you're just like, what is this video? What, what am I watching here? You're trying to figure, and maybe that was the whole point. Maybe the whole point was draw a bunch of attention to her um, because now she's gonna run in 22 against her, right? 2022? Yeah. Yeah, so that, maybe that was the goal. I don't know. I uh, I like the idea of a uh, of a Republican on Republican primary um, where Lisa Murkowski is is forced to either become a Democrat. Um, yeah, show your true colors. Show your true colors, or we have Sarah Palin, who was it Glenn Rice that she hooked up with? I you know somebody who used to play for the Heat. Um, Man, it makes it makes for some great debates, great commercials. Um, Palin will pull, pull in some uh, some firepower. I'm sure she's got some friends now. Oh yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be a, a fun a fun race. I think. If I'm not mistaken, she was also a supporter of the AFC. So you know, shout out to Sarah Palin in that regard. Nice, yeah. nice. I mean, Murkowski's the definition of nepotism. I mean, her you father know, Frank. Yeah, her we, last name's not even Murkowski. She went with Murkowski because yeah, uh, and he had to popular. change laws because of how that went down. Um, uh, so. Yeah, it, no one. I mean, a few people might be sad to see her go, but the people who are don't really understand what she's actually doing. Um, and you can see if you just Google Murkowski Feinstein and just, just look at that picture, and and then and you know, you well, know Feinstein has her against a wall. Yeah, you know what's going on. She's not. She's not there. She's fighting the for. Orders. Yeah, if that's how she fights for Alaska. Uh, we'll take a pass on that one. You know, like, but on the flip side. Um, Sarah Palin was willing to be second bananas to John McCain. Now, we I, that's what go I was down saying. The John that's, that's exactly radical. what I was saying. Exactly what I was saying. Like, I feel like in that moment, Sarah got excited by the limelight, and it was an opportunity to expand her brand, herself, that kind of thing. Maybe, and maybe you know, you know, you can spin it where like, oh, I'm doing it for the country. So I was, I was here for Alaska, but now I'm taking a bigger role and doing it for the country. But I still feel like, you know, you're a year and a half into being your governor. At that point, maybe not even that. Uh, you still had work to do here. A bunch of promises you had to do here. So, um, and then she didn't come back to being governor. Really, she kind of just moved on. Yeah, wrote a she book, that kind of thing. Did so, a reality tour. Yeah, so I feel like a little bit taken advantage. Of, I don't know that I voted for her, but I feel like if I was a voter for, her, I kind of would have been like, hey, well, what about the things we voted for you for? Yeah, because that's an agreement. Yeah, so you know, you said this. Great, you ran for president, didn't work out. We got Obamacare. 
come back to Alaska and, and help us fix this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so yeah, both, I, both people, I mean, no, no one's perfect and you're never going to have a candidate where you're like, Oh, I like every single thing about that person. Uh, every, Palin, yeah. Palin did a uh, cannabis radio show. I'll give her that. She showed I mean, up. That's that's definitely in her favor. She showed up on uh, on, on Best Buds. Shout out to um, shout out to Ben Farley and uh, Peyton, whatever his name is. Um, you remember her uh, video where she's got that turkey getting slaughtered behind her? There's so many good. There's so many good Palin. <laughs> Sarah Palin is Alaska. When you when you have a picture of her and all of her kids in shirts that say Valley Trash, you're like, I'm. You know what? That's I'm okay with that. Like, you know how she wins the vote for me. Say fuck Pebble Mine, Sarah Palin. Say fuck Pebble Mine, and then take action on that. Yeah, Boom. yeah. That that'll show that you're. Um, no, I mean, we all know you're a Republican, but that'll show you're not a Rhino. Yeah, yeah. So, Joe Rogan has an interesting joke about um, Sarah ones, yeah. Palin. Well, <laughs> Sarah Palin's uh, uh, had, uh, allegedly had an affair uh, with. Um, a jet ski salesman in Alaska, and and the joke was like, I mean, if you can sell a jet ski in Alaska, that that was oh, the that's joke. The angle? That, that was good. the angle. <laughs> However, as I was driving the Fairbanks through Wasilla, but what people don't know is that there's a lot of jet skis in Alaska. Yes, and, and, and jet skiing is actually probably more popular here than some states that actually have a lot of lakes. But Alaska's got more lakes than anywhere I've ever seen. Way more than Minnesota. And you'd be surprised how many damn jet skis are here. Our lakes yeah. have lakes. Um, yeah. You know, um, yeah, dude, it's a, it's a it's a it's a great place for that. But on uh, on my way to Fairbanks through Wasilla on the right, there's a ski do salesman. Man, you know what? That's probably the move, dude. Because what's your window of sales? You know, it's like that spring mid through midsummer. You're just crushing, and then you probably have on to snow machines after that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably. I don't I mean, know. Anyway, I mean, if you if you know Alaska, I don't know if Joe Rogan knows it that well, you know that ATVs of all types do well here, you know, regardless of the economy, I think. Yeah. People want to get out, climb mountains and machines or run over lakes and machines, regardless of the time of year. Yeah. I, I think that this is, it's part of that freedom that, that uh, Alaska screams of, you know? Like, how many, how many um, crazy, like, van, tank, track, cars... You know, like not enough. hybrid cars you see in Alaska. Every time I look around, there's like someone someone built something fucking nuts, dude. We need more of them with, with a turret on top. All kind of there's <laughs> a dude with a GMC Safari in Old Town with uh, with tank tracks on. For real, it. right? You know, like, and then like, these moose hunting vehicles people build. Holy shit, man! Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's a bunch of pipes uh, with a couple of chairs and a Hemi attached to it. Beautiful. Yeah, and welcome welcome to Alaska where everything's a roll cage. Um, yeah, 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 man. For this real. is this is. Uh, I've lived in a lot of places, and this is essentially like in the Middle East. You have sand here; it's snow and and dirt. But it's you know like it's the same sort of adventure experience. You know, like you, you get out and get some fresh air. It's not nearly as hot, uh, but you know we got a lot of oil, and there's lots of fun to have. Uh, I mean, it's what kind of what kind of movie do you want to be in? Do you want to be in a, a movie where there's lots of pretty mountain scenery? Lots of beautiful lakes, eagles soaring over you. You know what I'm saying? Or do you want to be in a movie where you just hear the sounds of bus brakes and taxi cabs and, you know, yeah, uh, it's just, uh, it's something beautiful about Alaska. And I'm so thankful to be uh, Alaskan. 
Yeah, there's not a lot of good finding yourself stories in New York, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, just finding yourself in a bathtub with your kid facing stories, but... Yeah, yeah, I hear you saying. Yeah, you know where seven didn't take place, Alaska. Yeah, yeah. You know, like even our even our our terrible stories, like on Frozen Ground, the story of I believe is uh, Chris Hansen, uh, the butcher baker in Anchorage. Which, by the way, I'm doing a special on uh, very soon with a with a local historian. So the butcher baker in Anchorage, the the film that they did on Frozen Ground, where John Cusack plays uh, the the baker. And Nicolas Cage um, played the... It's a murder mystery? Murder mystery. Yeah. A little, a little bit shot down here, uh, here on the peninsula. But even that, even that terrible, ugly story, uh, great views, great scenery. You know, like, <laughs> like in New York, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, that looks like a place where a body would be You'd left. You'd want to kill somebody. Yeah, meanwhile, yeah. it's like, if you know, and if you're going to get ma- uh, massacred in the woods, you know, you got a mountain to stare at. And if your soul's going to march around somewhere... You have lots of free space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, you get to find out if, like, the, the Port Chatham Harry Man is real, you know? Like, if you're a ghost, if you're a ghost, Alaska's definitely a place you'd want to be a ghost. People don't appreciate the smell either. It has, it is fresh. It's crisp. It's almost like when you breathe in Alaska, it, um, it filters you. You know what I mean? The air in Los Angeles, you filter it. But it's like Alaska almost cleanses you breathing it. So talk about that a little bit because you lived in LA for a while. Oh, LA, man! I don't know what it's like now, and I haven't lived in LA for five years now. Um, but I moved from LA to Texas um, in 2015 or 14 or something like that. And even then, it was beginning to smell quite a bit like piss, and it was kind of overwhelming with the uh, the homeless situation, and then also like the like even. It's almost impossible to park. It's impossible to do anything. If you do park and get caught, they're going to charge you up to $150. Most expensive tickets you get in your life trying to go to work in L.A. So it's almost impossible. It's impossible to live there, man. And uh, I could, couldn't be more excited to have gotten out of there. I was super thankful, though, for the people I knew there. That's what I miss most about L.A. is the great people. But, man, that city is just it is um, too many people stacked on top of each other with too much liberal policy that it just, it, it just allows for um, the festering of some of the worst parts of society. And I went back there recently. It was last December prior to the, all the Rona and immediately went to Mexico after that. So I went to LA, spent a week there um, and kind of marched around the streets around the um, uh, where the Lakers play, that whole area. And it was just constant aroma of human feces, having to watch your step, um, having them kind of move, a, you know, walk around large homeless encampments. Um, and it felt like a little bit of like a war zone slash third world country, you know, and you're kind of always getting harassed by, by, uh, by homeless people that, that almost scare you because not because you're like worried about like they're going to beat you up or, but you're like, is this guy going to bite me or infect me kind of feeling, you know what I'm saying? It's almost has a zombie kind of component to it. Um, and not somewhere where you would want to raise your kids. And in fact, I would see kids, you know, waiting at the bus stop and, and, you know, the three or four years old and seeing, I was saying bus breaks. That's why I said that. Cause you see a bus pull up and just the noise, the sound, the, uh, commotion is just such a, um, non-natural environment almost. And, and break dust. I mean, like break yeah. dust is and break bad dust. for Yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, um, that or this, you know, sled, Snow dust blushing in your face, completely different kind of thing. You know, yeah. The sound and smell of Alaska is so different. 
Um, but going from LA and and being in a, and then the weird part is also you know going from a homeless encampment and then looking over here where you see this the Staples Center and there's a TV screen that is bigger than a football field, you know what I mean? Showing people who make tens of millions of dollars a year um, that throw balls around, you know what I'm saying? So it's crazy to see that just the the the, um, the dichotomy of the word is the, the difference between some people right here and two feet over here, someone else. Duality of man, yeah, I believe just, they it, called it yeah, in it, uh, Full it, Metal Jacket. It's so, it, it was nuts. And then, you know, we went from LA to, to Mazatlan, um, kind of a, a pre- Little honeymoon with my wife. We got married in August, August fifth. So blessed, Miss Priscilla and Brock. Uh, so we went to Mazatlan and and it was like going to a first world country. Suddenly it smelled fresh. All the streets were clean. Um, there was no homeless encampments. You know what I'm saying? People were kind of scrubbing their own sidewalks. Everyone was was productive. Whereas I felt like L.A. It was just I don't know, such a mess, such a mess, man. So. All I know is I think California is a failed state. I think um, at least in Los Angeles, San Francisco, the places I, I was at, I would say there's a lot of great things, a lot of successful people, but as a whole, um, it's collapsing. And I don't, we gotta be careful that we don't let Texas become California and we absolutely cannot let Alaska become California. We'd be very, very careful with that. Okay. Um... Now, moving on, we've been here uh, about an hour, and nice. we have not discussed 10th Plant. Do you want, are you cool with, with diving into 10th oh, Plant's whole uh, What do you want to do that? Well, uh, let's, let's start, because we, we've talked a little bit about the politics and the stuff that, that probably moved you back up here. Uh, but let's talk about what you brought with you. 10th Plant, Soldatna, started this year in the midst of the corona. Um, wasn't something I expected, um, but I was fortunate this year to be blessed. My wife and I were blessed with the pregnancy. Um, and that really motivated me to, to return home. Um, I want to be near family and it was combined with a bunch of other kind of coincidences and reasons to, to go back to Alaska. Um, you know, between the government shutdown and so forth, it was like, I had to, to I wanted to diversify my income, um, diversify, uh, the people that I could uh, help me with my, my child. So I'm around, I'm around family now. Um, if, you, if you know me, I'm from Alaska. My aunts, uncles, everyone's here. So there's so many reasons I came back here. Um, but 10th Planet is part of my life and always will be. You know, I plan to raise my children in the dojo. So I needed to build that dojo here. And it just happened to work out that a um, super cool guy named Pete Dickinson built the All-American Training Center. Um, Shout out to Coach Pete. Yeah, he's a really cool guy, man. Nice, just a kind guy. Yeah. Um, blessed to know him. Super thankful to know him. And, and you know, when I say coincidences, it's just kind of once I made that decision, you know, I, I come across All American Training Center. I knew right away that was where the school would be, um, and you know, I plan to be there a long, long time. I plan to raise, raise my kids there. Um, it's an amazing facility. It's got great coaching, uh, top to bottom. It's run by a really cool guy named Logan. He's an All American out of Michigan. Um, hilarious, awesome, super cool guy. Pete and his wife Tanya are amazing people. Um, they do so much for the community. Pete's also chair of the um, the Whalers Club, so the Soldat the Whalers operate out of there. I think a few of the high school wrestling teams operate out of there. Uh, Ten Plants, you know, a part of, of, of that, and we're super stoked to be a part of that. Um, my classes are in the evening right now. They're Thursday, or Monday through Thursday at 7 p.m., and we have kids and adults at the same time. So 
because the facility is so big and so awesome, we have that option and it's been great, man. Uh, it wasn't something we initially planned to do, um, but it just worked out that way. And now we have a lot of parents and their children that train at the same time. You yourself will come yeah, in. Yeah, and, my little and, girl. Yeah, so, you know, parents are, you know, adults are on one side, but they can keep an eye on their kids who are just across, you know, the mat from them. Um, and I think it's such, a, it's such a cool thing for parents to get to do with their kids uh, because it's something you can talk about after class. It's something you have in common with them. Um, it's something you can both work on together and get better at together. So for my daughter, she does dance and, and she does uh, jujitsu. One of her favorite things has been like showing mommy a move when we get home. Okay, mommy, this is the Americana. Nice. And so then she's practicing her Americana on me. And because she's got those little tiny T-Rex arms, it hurts like a son of a biscuit. <laughs> so, but... Um, but yeah, for, for me, uh, it's empowering for them, right? They feel, absolutely. Yeah, they, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, she's, she's not, uh, she's not going to be made a victim. And like my job as a dad is to, to try and do my best to make sure that she has these tools. I'm learning now as I, as I get older and I'm more, I'm interacting more with my children. Like if, if we don't teach them, it's not society's obligation to teach them. Like these are, and if they don't know these things, uh, and it's and I don't know these things. It's because I failed as a dad. Don't blame society. Yeah, sure. like it's still like that shit's my fault. Like I got I've got to make sure that she has the tools. But it does help uh, that she's going to class the same time that I am because I think it maximizes everybody's it, time. It enhances the community aspect of it, and uh, you know that's one of the biggest things that keeps people involved in jujitsu. And one of the things I highlight the most is the community portion of it. I mean, a lot of people when they think of martial arts, I think they kind of associate with the competitive side. And the desire for people to compete or fight or whatever—that's um, really a small portion of, of the community. Typically, you know, martial arts offers the community aspect, which is huge, and then also the pursuit of mastery, which I think people realize don't realize how much is involved in their life. Like, if you play games of any type, if you play video games, if you go golfing, if you do something because you want to get better at it, you're constantly pursuing mastery, and that's what jujitsu offers. It offers you kind of like an unending journey. Uh, in jiu-jitsu, in, in martial arts, where you're always going to have a new puzzle, a new game, uh, a new challenge, and it's so fucking much fun, man. It's one of the one of the coolest things you can do with people. Uh, we were rolling the other day, trying to kill each other, and I can't tell you, man, um, if I didn't do that, I would go crazy. You know what I'm saying? If I didn't have a regular session where I try to strangle you, I might actually do that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I better go crazy. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. It makes well, it makes perfect sense. You talk about mastery. Um, your body is going to change. Your your opponent's body is is consistently change, changing. Whoever you're rolling with, and so you have to adapt to the chessboard that is this person and their, yeah. this person, their body, their skill set. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. And it has more functional value than I think golf. And honestly, it gives you more to think about than golf. You know. Um, you know, I'll catch myself just kind of doing jujitsu in my head, and it's like Sudoku or uh, some kind of crossword in that, in that way. Is that you're actually kind of doing a puzzle? You're, you're kind of doing an if-then scenario, and then another if-then scenario. So, um, from the cognitive enhancement, I think it's it's incredible. Um, I think that, especially with kids, their visual, spatial, their their coordination, and then their understanding of um, counter this for that or an if-then. If they do this, then I do that. And if they do that, then I do this. And that kind of that kind of mental game, I think, carries over into all kinds of stuff. Carries over into everywhere in your life. You are analyzing risk, analyzing the situation, 
and seeing what the options are if then. Well, for me, like one of the things that I, I enjoy about it um, is that it immediately lets me know like what I'm not doing right in the rest of my life. Oh, for sure. If Feedback. I'm right if up. if right I'm right. not getting enough sleep, if I'm definitely if I'm not drinking enough water, if I'm not. Um, you know, if I'm not doing these things that I know I'm supposed to be doing, then when I do make it to the mats, it's going to be more painful than it needs to. That's be. one of those secondary benefits of jujitsu, where because you want to do well at jujitsu, because you enjoy it so much, and that's what usually happens. You start the jujitsu, you're like, "Damn, I love this, and I want, and I'm having a blast." But Bill keeps tapping me one more time than I'm tapping him, and I think it's because I, I drink a little bit on the weekends, or I drink too much on the weekdays. So it hits people to kind of start changing habits that um, they probably already want to change anyways, uh, that are already part of a goal that they had, but jujitsu kind of gives them that reason. And it's, it's generally a positive reason. It's like, oh, I want to get better at this, so I'm going to treat myself better. I'm, I, want to get, I want to get better at this, so I'm going to eat better, I'm going to go to bed earlier, I'm going to get up earlier, that kind of thing. Yeah, you're just like whittling yeah. or you're whittling down your defects and it's and it's a reason that's coming from inside of you. Yeah. Um, but and then you get the feedback. Like you said, the next day that you're there, you're oh, I, I went to bed early, I drank plenty of water, I feel great, and then I tapped Bill. And boom, boom, boom. You get dopamine and serotonin. You get that immediate that immediate fulfillment and that a fulfillment of a long term goal. Well, there's also the stretch. Which is like it's it's murder yoga. It's absolutely murder <laughs> yoga. You you're you're twisting, you're 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 moving your arm. Uh, in some cases, you're moving it in a way your moves your your body's not supposed to bend. But at the another time, you're you're just you're simply extending muscles. Yeah, I'm um, I'm more flexible for sure from doing jujitsu, not because of stretching, just because the positions I get put in, or were put in mostly, you know, or at this point assume. I take certain positions, the rubber guard and so forth. Um, just by doing jujitsu, I got way more flexible, way more flexible, more flexible than I ever thought I would be. And I don't particularly stretch a lot. I just do jujitsu. So yeah, a lot of people will start out kind of um, rigid yeah. and by you know a year or two in it, they're pretty mobile. They move really well. I mean, it's why I also said, like, with people that I talk to about martial arts, I'll also recommend, like, kickboxing as well. Oh, for sure. Just, you know, you're, you're moving, you're, you're trying to get your ankle higher than your neck, yeah, yeah. you know? Like, you're trying to move your body faster than you're used to moving it uh, in, in, in a more fluid direction. Like, I don't know if you've ever gotten the opportunity to see um, uh, Victor Rodriguez, uh, Rodriguez's uh, footwork, but it's fun to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I've known Vic for years, and, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's an amazing fighter. Yeah, yeah. Um, Vic, shout out to Vic. Yeah, so it's 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 movement. It, a lot of it is is movement. It's finding a reason to move, something that you enjoy doing uh, enough to want to get give up, utilize one of your hours in a day, uh, an hour. For and a sure, half man. I, I mean, I think Muay Thai, kickboxing, um, whatever you know facet you came from, striking in general is awesome, super fun. Um, I did it intensely for quite a few years. You know, I, I fancy myself a boxer when I first started MMA. Um, my goal was punch and then knock you down and punch you some more. Um, so I didn't even like jiu-jitsu when I first started uh, martial arts. I thought it was, and because I, I was kind of shown it in the wrong way, I guess. I just had a bad first few experiences. Um, and, I, and again, fell in love with striking and then realized I couldn't do it with my friends every day. You know, like we could spar maybe twice a week is what, what our cycle was as, as, as fighters. And even then I was starting to have trauma issues. You know what I mean? Like, you know, getting like fuzzy vision and that kind of thing. And eventually I got 
quote unquote retired on my own in, 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 a, in practice. I was just like, got cracked in the head and my vision got so distorted. I knew then I was like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing Muay Thai for fun or, you know what I'm saying? Because unless you are, um, you are really good about not overexerting yourself, not punching someone too hard, playing a really nice point game where you're just tapping your partner. But if you actually get into a heavy sparring session, it's traumatic, you know what I'm saying? If you, if you take some head shots or head kicks for that matter. Um, so I'm not saying don't do, do striking. I'm saying be careful when you do it. It's a blast. Uh, but if you want to be able to spar on a regular basis and you want to be able to uh, do your sport um, competitively um, with your friends or even competitively in like tournaments on the regular, even every week. And I have students that compete, especially down in the States, that are competing pretty much every weekend. Um, if not two or three weekends a month, something like that. And with MMA, that's not possible. With, with Muay Thai, that's really, really not possible. And if you do try to do that, your career is very, very short. You're gonna to take too much damage too fast um, and you may never recover from it. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is absolutely potential for, for risk, but generally you're in control of that risk. Someone has your heel in their hand and you have the opportunity to say, tap, stop, verbally let them know or physically let them know you're done and you avoid all damage. Um, so that's one of the beautiful things about it. If you're, if you're a former wrestler, a former football player, a former hockey player, and you miss like getting after it and still having that competitive uh, component in your workouts, competitive component in, in just the way you, you approach life, um, jiu-jitsu is for that person. That's why it's the fastest growing um, participant sport in America right now. That's why more people are getting into jiu-jitsu than anything else because it's so fun. Um, and it's very safe relative to other martial arts. Um, one thing I want to talk about, uh, talk to you about, and just get your opinion. Um, lately in sports, um, I wanted to talk to you about this earlier, but uh, they've gotten rid of the fan experience, right? They've replaced it on TV yeah. with sounds and, and the same shitty music, right? Like it's the same music they've been playing since 92. If, if I have to watch another basketball game where they're playing Jump Around, um, yeah, like I, I don't need that anymore in my life. Um, the UFC has seen a surge. Um, I, I, you're seeing more and more, uh, you know, fight passes, uh, fight pass fights. Uh, just last week, you had a, a Colby uh, Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley, a fight that at any other year would have been um, would have been a numbered UFC. Uh, main event easily. Yeah, um, it was weird. It was on. It was, free on, it was ES on ESPN Plus. Um, it was almost like they wanted everyone to see that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, well, they've they've moved to between the Apex Center and um, and um, Fight Island in uh, in Dubai. It's almost as if um, the removal of the crowd has actually been. Uh, very beneficial, uh, and and I think that long term, the next two or three years, you're going to see these uh, football teams that can no longer pay uh, for their talent. You're they're not going to be able to to pay thirty million dollars to um, you know to uh, you know a, a quarterback. Yeah, man, and we're not even um, in baseball season. Which what are they going to do? You know, I mean, that's that's hundred and forty games a year. They're trying to sell tickets to. That's well, a decent amount of money. Same, you know. 
who, again, who the fuck wants to sit down for seven hours every day so that they can watch the Cubs full season? Yeah. Um, you know, who wants to who wants to spend that time on? Their well, I'm house? just saying, there's still a lot of money. Like even the UFC, their gate would be a million plus sometimes. Yeah. So there's still some cash there. Obviously, it's not as leverageable as their pay per view money. So you you know, but it's almost like they're just setting the stage for a future world where there's so many people that you can't go to games anymore. You have to just be a digital participant in everything. So the the counter to that is you also don't have to hire like security staff to, yeah. as far as the gate, right? You don't have to hire security staff. You don't have to rent out the arena. Uh, especially if it's the UFC and you own your own little, uh, you, you own your own little performance yeah. zone. You do your fights there. You, there, there are costs that you don't have, uh, especially when you're incurring them all on your own. Yeah. Um, I mean, now you own the building. You're doing the fights at, and I'm sure um, the UAE. I'm sure they're giving uh, a crazy tax break to the UFC for booting, putting their stuff on their island. Uh, you know, in the middle of. For sure, uh, but I think it's gonna, like anything else. It creates like a almost a counterculture or underground and i think you'll see that too so like people still want to go to the fights people still want to cheer live they still want to have that experience and if it's not going to be available via ufc then someone's going to do it in their garage you know people are, you know are going to create fight clubs and if you haven't noticed there's a surge in jiu-jitsu tournaments a surge in uh pro jiu-jitsu quote unquote um and i think you'll see that same kind of thing happen with underground fighting again, which we've already produced a bunch of great people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some great fighters that have come out of that. And I think uh, that fan experience or the demand for it won't go away. You know, it, may, it might take a couple generations to get rid of a fan, the, the desire for a fan experience. Um, maybe with this, the new kids that are, that are growing, going to school on zoom, you know, maybe they'll never want to go to a class or be around people. Maybe they'll be able to, condition all these new kids to just be chill with like watching everything on their glasses from their couch. Uh, but I think, you know, guys in your generation, my generation, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a big like live music fan, but I like being around people um, in general. I like going to fights and talking to other people at the fights about the fights. And I don't want to have to type that, you know, I want to be a hold the beer and look you in the eye and say, damn, did you see that Kimura? That was crazy. Um, and not have to make you know, make it a digital experience. You know what I mean? So I don't know. But the the NFL fan experience now on TV with the piped in audience. I'd rather watch two fifteen year olds play a video game, and I don't want to watch right. two fifteen year olds play a video game. I, I don't, don't give a yeah, fuck. Yeah, I haven't watched NFL in a while, man. So it's uh, um, what, what last football game I watched was UT uh, in person, and you know that was a, a cool experience, man. Because you see, I met a bunch of fans bunch of people we had great food um you know you feel the crowd when it roars you know what i mean you feel the momentum of the game you feel the um, anticipation of situations so i think this is the experience of a live event will never be encapsulated in sound effects on on your tv screen you know what i mean i went to yeah. uh, to one major league game it was the cardinals against the mets in like 2010 right the game went for 22 innings Oh my god! Yeah, they stopped serving beer after the seven. Um, so very like by, <laughs> by inning, you know, like twelve, you realize this isn't going anywhere. You leave to find a local yeah, sports yeah, yeah. bar. We, two hours later, we make it back to our hotel. The game's still on. Um, you you can't convince people that maybe you can to sit uh, for people to sit in front of their TV for that long. Yeah, but yeah. you're gonna it's gonna be way less people. 
um, I mean, they're I willing to do that. Baseball was just kind of developed in a time prior to TV and prior to like, and and, and it was radio pretty much, right? You'd listen to baseball games. So I don't think it was it's a sport that's necessarily TV centric. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas I think fighting's a little more TV centric. But then again, man, people will watch golf. People will watch golf. So I think you could make pretty much anything work on TV. And I think that's why you'll see more jujitsu on TV. Because it's way more exciting than golf. <sighs> what time is it, bro? Okay. What time is it? We're at 3.30. Boom. I got to go over to All-American Training Center. And I got to uh, go do dad shit. Yeah, man. That's what we're doing. Taking care of the future. Heck yeah. Um, check out All-American Training Center. Uh, Allamericantc.com. Come see us at 10 Planet Soldatna. Um, listen to the Woke and Bake podcast. Drink your hash aid. Be nice to strangers. Yeah. Be nice to strangers. I mean, unless they're throwing poop at you or they're trying to pull you out of your vehicle and beat you to death. You got it. In that then, case, you just step on the fucking gas. Yeah. 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 Um, and don't climb into the, uh, the chimps. Pen yeah, at the zoo. Or the That's, polar bear pen. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away from animals in the zoo that can fuck you up. But you know what? You figure it out. All right? You're a grown-up. You figure it out. If any of you out there uh, want to take me surfing on the boar tide, hit me up. I want to do that. And I need a local. So, um, speaking of needing a local, <laughs> there are um, we have uh, uh, nuclear sea otters. Uh, from the Aleutians in southeast Alaska. I got a. That's a, like a Fukushima thing. I'm gonna. I'll be corrected in the comments for this, but not no. Uh, even better because these are Alaskan sea, Alaskan nuclear sea otters. So, I guess the sea otters in that part of Alaska had been uh, had been wrecked and, and decimated. Uh, People running them over. Well, like you know, years and years of hunting. They've hunted them to extinction. So after after the hunting these guys to extinction. Um, the uh, the area in southeast Alaska that normally would have these sea otters to um, to sort of control that level in the food chain, without the sea otters there, crazy shit started happening. Uh, like dogs and cats living together, everything they said in Ghostbusters. Um, so um, some some good wildlife folks were like, hey, let's just reintroduce some sea otters. So they were like, okay, that sounds great. We're going to reintroduce sea otters. And my understanding is they were told they were getting Northern California sea otters. So like super relaxed, hippie sea otters. These are Islamic extremists? <laughs> you got Islamic extremist sea otters, huh? No, it, no, these are even better. This is even better because these are, these are nuclear. These are Hulk sea otters, okay? Um, so... What they actually got was um, sea otters from the Aleutian Islands, where they were doing nuclear testing. So they got nuclear sea otters. Nice. Who are apparently super aggressive <laughs> and have just been fucking everything up. But um, I, I need, uh, if we have any native listeners who want to take me hunting for nuclear sea otter. That happens every time, man. When they introduce wolf, they introduce the biggest, baddest, meanest wolf. I don't, uh, they introduced a bee, it's a killer bee. Now it's nuclear fucking sea otters. Nuclear sea otters. But the cool thing is, is if you're native, you can hunt them. Shout out to Chili Palmer yeah. from uh, the, that one film. <laughs>
That was uh, Josh Revolta's name in, in whatever it was. How close are these nuclear sea otters to invading Seattle? That's what I want to know. Oh, they still got to go through Canada. Yeah, I like, want to see. Still gotta they're, hit gonna, south. they're going to Chaz right now. Dude, <laughs> what have they took? What have you had sea otters that were just taking over Chaz? Armed sea otters patrolling the coast <laughs> of Alaska. <laughs> Next on Woken Big Podcast. <laughs> Woke and Baked as a podcast would not be possible without the support of the following folks and or businesses. Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive, behind Save You More. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook. The gym is open 24 hours a day, and I like to go in the morning. If you like to go in the morning, I'll see you in the morning. We can high-five each other and do curls and stuff. All right, call 907-953-4720 for more information. Again, you can check them out on Facebook and Instagram and get all the answers to your good questions. And then call uh, 907-953-4720 and get yourself a tour. Boom, that easy. All right, Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They are the growers of fine cannabis, the brewmeisters of Hashade, Blueberry Hashade, and now Strawberry Hashade. They make canna caps, honey sticks, peanut butter, which, by the way, the peanut butter is bought farm direct. They also, as a retail operation, carry flour and concentrates, including decarb oil and the always popular cartridges. Now, because Red Run has their own manufacturing facility, nobody can beat their prices on products. They also stock edibles from Lady Grey and Creative Confections. By the way, they also carry CBD if you're into CBD. They carry it. It's made by Frontier CBD out of Homer. So be sure to ask your bud tender for suggestions. Check out their website, RevRunCannabisCompany.com, for more information, as well as weed maps for their current menu. Now, if you don't live on the Kenai Peninsula, but you like their products, be sure to talk to your uh, local dispensary, your local Alaska dispensary. If you're listening to us in, like, Michigan, I don't think that you're going to be able to get any hash aid in Michigan. Although, one day, soon enough, you might be able to. All right, but if you live in Alaska and you have access to a fine dispensary, get your sweet-ass hands on some sweet-ass hash aid. All right, they carry them in the good dispensaries. If your dispensary does not carry hash aid, they might not be a good dispensary. Also, in Soldatna, 5150 and Dave, mostly Dave at 5150. All right, they are your home for American-made CBD vape products with over 240 flavors of juice to choose from. They also carry coils, mods, and pretty much anything else you could possibly want or need for your vaping experience. By the way, uh, just be careful. Uh, vapes contain nicotine, and nicotine is addictive. All right, 10th Planet Soldatna, located inside of the All-American Training Center. Classes start at 7 p.m. Kids' classes run concurrent to adults and run till about 8.30. Kid, or I'm sorry, adult classes are taught by our guest today, 10th Planet Black Belt Curtis Hembroff, and the kids' classes are taught by 10th Planet Purple Belt 
Priscilla Hembroff. All right, shout out to AK49 Martial Arts slash Bang Muay Thai located in the Peninsula Center Mall. Kids BMT starts at 5 and adults start at 6. Coaches include Bang Muay Thai, Brown Belt, and a recent uh, winner of a kickboxing match here in lovely Soul Dotna, Mr. Seth Stacy, as well as the AFC's 135-pound champion, Mr. Victor Rodriguez. For more information, including their current schedule, check out AK-49 Martial Arts and uh, at AK-49 Martial Arts. All right, on Instagram and the Facebook, respectively. All right, um, there you go. Thank you very much for your support. Thank you very much for listening. And here is your cannabis warning. As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Red Run Cannabis Company, license 3A10056. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, license 4A10052. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, license 5A19372. 5455 Kenai Spur Highway, 12156 Kenai Spur Highway, Kenai, Alaska, 99611.